Isn't God good? Jude chapter 1 is a series we're going through right now. We've been going verse by verse through the entire book of Jude. And um, last week, I think I only got to verse 4. And it was almost like, what, 3 in the afternoon or something? <laughs> so I want to go through all the rest of the verses, and I think we're good to, what, about 7 o'clock tonight? Everybody cool till then? We'll just have Hector go get us some wantitans, you know, some pastor tacos. We'll be good. We'll have some pizza. Come on. All right. Looking at Jude chapter 1, last week's message was, Lord, have mercy. But that's because I thought I was going to go through all 24 verses. So I actually had to go back and rename that lesson because what I spent most of my time on was the first couple of verses. And so that lesson was called Contend for the Faith. Amen. Everybody say Contend for the Faith. Now, this week's lesson is going to be Snatch Them from the Fire. Okay, come on, look at your neighbor and say, snatch them from the fire. Look at your other neighbor and say, snatch them from the fire. You want to kind of jerk somebody, snatch them a little bit? No? Okay. We are going to talk today about what it means to snatch people out of the fire of hell. The fire of hell, and that's a real place, and we're going to talk about that. But I want to get into Jude, and I want to review a little bit. And I want to see if I can get everything tied in together. So if you're in Jude chapter 1, verse 1, can you say, I'm there? Awesome. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. We know that Jude is the brother of James, but who is James and Jude the brother of? Jesus. So those of you who didn't know that, now you know. Jesus had half-brothers. The writer of Jude in Greek, Uadas, is his uh, Greek name. He is brothers with James. And James also wrote a book in the Bible. And these two brothers are the half-brothers of Jesus. So people who say Jesus never had any siblings is not true. This is history. This is fact. Jude is a brother of Jesus. And he's letting you know that he's also the brother of James. And the reason why is because James was the head of the church at this time. Some people taught that Peter was the first pope. The word pope wasn't even used until the 600-700s. The main pope or the bishop of Rome uh, controlling all of the other churches did not even happen until around 1000 A.D., 1,000 years after Jesus. If you read the book of Acts, you learn that the first leader of the church was James, the man that Jude is saying is his brother. Now, what does he say? He says, I'm talking to those who are called by God the Father, and kept by Jesus Christ. This teaches us that God the Father and Jesus Christ work together. Amen? That shows us that they are equal in divinity, but different in personhood and function. They are not the same person, but they are the same God. God is one being and three persons. Are you with me? They work together as one. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. How many would like to have an abundance of mercy? Say amen. How many would like to have an abundance of peace? Say amen. How many would like to have an abundance of love? Say amen. Well, you know, all you have to do is pick up the phone when God calls you because that's the promise to those who are called by the love of God the Father and Jesus Christ. So when God knocks at your door and he says, be born again, repent of your sins, get in a relationship with me, you should answer and say, amen. Yes, Lord, I believe. And when you believe, what will come into your life? Mercy. That means all your sins will be forgiven, all your guilt, all your shame, all of the things you have on your conscience will be forgiven instantly. 
Peace will flood your soul. You may be like a, uh, a windy wave right now or a boat on the, the shores or the, the waves of Lake Michigan, but God will make your life tranquil, peace, without t- uh, turmoil. Amen? And he'll also fill your heart with love, which we all know what love is. Love is love. Amen? It's that feeling down inside that people care about you, that they like you just the way you are, and they're never going to leave you. Amen? That's just review. Let's keep going. Verse 3. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Everybody say, have mercy. Wasn't that intense right there? Now, if you look at this section, look at what he says. Follow it. Verse 3, he says, dear friends, so the people he's writing to like how we are here, our friends. Everybody say, I'm your friend. Look at your neighbor and say, you're my gente. You're my friend. You're my peeps. I Bam. Verse 3. Dear friends, okay, I was very eager to write you about the salvation we share. So what was Jude's first intention to write about? He was going to talk about the salvation that Christians have. He was probably going to talk about how to pray, how to read your Bible, how to follow the laws of God, husbands, how to love your wife, children, obey your parents. If you look at Paul's letters in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy in your Bible, that teaches you how to live your salvation, how to be a Christian. Amen? But he puts a comma right there, and he says, I was going to write you about this, comma, but I felt I had to write and urge you to fight or contend for the faith. You see, Jude takes a turn in what he was going to talk about And he says, but instead, I'm going to tell you about how to put up your dukes and fight for the faith. What does that teach us? Number one, it's all right to fight. Amen. And then number two, the fights with the devil and with lies, truth defeating lies. Amen. We don't fight people. I'm not fighting Muslims, strapping bombs on myself. Our country is defending our peace, and the politics of that are a different discussion. But my fight is a spiritual fight against the devil and against the attacks of the mind of lies and half-truths. Amen? And Jude said that we ought to fight for the faith, and he says it was once for all entrusted to the saints. That means after the last book of the Bible was written, the tradition of the Christians kept going on. That's why I am here. 2,000 years later, pastors are still preaching the Word of God. Amen? Disciples are still living it. But don't you think we also should, should be still fighting for it? I said, don't you think we should be fighting for it? Now, if I told you, man, right up here, I got some wonderful water for you. It's beautiful. And I didn't tell you that I had just put some strychnine, some rat poison in it. Now, you know, I could just probably put a little cap full of strychnine right here. And it would still be, what, 99% water? So if I just told you, hey, there's some water up here, and you drank and you died, was that a lie? Yes. Was it a harmful lie? But if I came up and said to you, hey, I have water with strychnine, would you like to drink it? How many know you ain't going to drink it? How many know that if I try to force you to drink it, you're going to put up a fight? 
How many know that the, the lady's going to take off the earrings, put back their hair, you know what I'm saying, grease it down? How many know there's going to be a fight? Dude's going to take off the tie, roll up the sleeves, ah, put them up, put them up, right here, right? Okay? This is what the Bible is saying. There are preachers out there. There are people who are lying to you. And there are people drinking it, and they are dying spiritually. That means they're still in their sin. That means God has not changed their life. And the Bible says those of us who know the truth, we need to put up our dukes and fight. What does that mean? That means we show up at the Jehovah Witness Church and tell them that they're lying to people, even though they think we're crazy. Amen. You know what those Jehovah Witnesses are? They knock on your doors. We show up at their door, and they kicked us out two weeks ago. But we kept preaching on their streets. Amen. Hallelujah. That means we go out to Mardi Gras. We go out down to uh, Belmont and Clark, to the gay community, in love, teaching them that God did not make them that way. Amen? Students uh, on Prosser High School campus preaching the gospel to young people that God didn't make you to be in gangs or to have promiscuous sex, but to live for Him. Amen? So we are contending for that faith because we don't want nobody to drink the poisonous water. Amen? Now, last week I played you somebody that has slipped in secretly and is teaching lies. And we're going to put up his video again today. I thank God for technology because before, Jude couldn't, you know, send an email with an attachment to YouTube. But now your pastor can put up a YouTube video. So go ahead and get this ready, brother. And as you put this up, I want everyone to look up at me just for a moment, please. I want to be very specific what I'm fighting for. I'm fighting for the faith entrusted, thank you, to the saints. I am not fighting against people that have more money than our church. We, we don't have a problem with that. I'm not fighting against people who have bigger churches. I'm not fighting against people that do it differently. Maybe they have a choir. Maybe one, man, one day we may have a choir. You know? I'm, not, I'm not fighting against non-essentials. Everybody say non-essentials. This is what we're talking about here is the faith. Everybody say the faith. That's a loaded word. You may not understand exactly what he meant, but the faith, what he was talking about, was the belief in one God revealed in three persons. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, died on the cross for man's sin. That's the faith. Jesus Christ will come back one day and judge the living and the dead. There's a heaven and a hell. Everybody say, that's the faith. Where do we learn that from? The inerrant word of God. That's it. That's what I fight for. Somebody wants to attack the word of God, we're going to get it on. Amen. Let's get it on. We're going to get it on all night. Amen. Well, we're going to be getting it on and, and, and fighting with, with the Word of God. Anybody attacks who God is, we're going to fight with them. Anybody who attacks who Jesus is, we're going to fight with them. Anybody who attacks what salvation is, they tell you you've got to kneel three times, take this, confess this, pray this. We're going to fight with them because you only get born again by repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. I don't need his mother, brother, or sister. Just give me Jesus. Amen? We're going to fight for people who don't believe in heaven or hell. New Age people want to tell you you become energy. You become like electricity you're just going to flow through the universe that's a devil's lie your eternal soul will live on in eternal bliss or eternal damnation amen everybody say them fighting words so if you mess with those things those are fighting words this brother right here which really isn't a brother he's a a a man masquerading as a brother has the largest church in america comes from his father who was a preacher of the truth And now has distorted the truth. And as the Bible says, if you have your Bible, look at it right here. The Bible says, for certain men, verse 4, whose condemnation was written about long ago, have secretly slipped in among you. 
So I'm not picking on anybody for any other reason other than they are messing with the faith and they are secretly slipping in. If uh, Larry King, who was interviewing him, wouldn't have asked him these questions, the body of Christ wouldn't even know who he was because he writes nice books. He preaches friendly sermons. If you listen to him, he'll talk about Jesus in the Bible. But you'll see how he cannot tell you a way to heaven. Or he cannot tell you who goes to heaven and to hell. And we have a problem with that. Amen? Everybody say, contend for the faith. Let it play, my brother. (laughs) Phoenix, Arizona. Hello. Hello, Larry. You're the best. And thank you, Joel, for your positive messages and your book. I'm wondering, though, um, why you sidestepped Larry's earlier question about how we get to heaven. Um, The Bible clearly tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, and the only way to the Father is through him. That's not really a message of condemnation, but of truth. Yeah, I would agree with her. I believe that. So then the Jew is not going to heaven. No, I... I, I, Well, here's my thing, Larry, is I can't judge somebody's heart, you know. I don't know. Only God can look at somebody's heart, and so... I don't know. I just, to me, it's not my business to say, you know, this one is or this one isn't. I'm just saying, here's what the Bible teaches, and I want to put my faith in, uh, you know, in Christ. And but I just, I think it's wrong when you go around saying, you know, you're not going, you're not going, you're not going, because it's not exactly my way. I'm just, I'm but not going to be the guy. believe your way. I believe my way. I believe my way with all my heart. But if somebody doesn't share it, well, it is wrong, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, well. I don't know if I look at it like that. I would, I would present my way, but I'm just going to let God be the judge of that. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. So you make no judgment on anyone? No, but How I about think... atheists? No, I just... You know what? I let, I let somebody... Let, I'm going to let God be the judge of who goes to heaven and hell. And I just, again, I present the truth. And I say it every week. You know, I believe it's a relationship with Jesus. But, you know what? I'm not going to go around... Telling everybody else, if, if they don't want to believe that, that's going to be their choice. God's got to look at your own heart. God's got to look at your heart. And only God knows that. Do you believe there's a place called heaven? Let me tell you what Jesus said. Revelations chapter 21, verse 8. But the cowardly, which he is, the unbelieving, which the atheist was he asked about, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magical arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Somebody needs to fight for the faith. Somebody needs to stand up and say, hey, I may not be well liked. I may not be the best friend that you want to invite to your to your wedding to preach there or whatever. I may not be asked on Larry King like, but this is what Jesus Christ and the Bible says. Amen. This is what we preach. The man said, oh, I'm, I can't judge. Well, the Bible has already judged. We need to speak what it says. Thank you. Irenaeus said, a church father, a man in 189 A.D. said, the penalty increases for those who do not believe the word of God and despise his coming. It is not merely temporal, but eternal. To whomsoever the Lord shall say, depart from me, accursed ones, into the everlasting fire. They will be damned forever. You know what Irenaeus is writing right here? Everybody say Irenaeus. You just learned a church father. This was a Christian of the second century. His name of his book is called Against Heresies. He wrote an entire, entire book against the heresies of his day. Look at Jude again. What is Jude teaching us? I want you to contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to the saints. If you want to contend, somebody say amen. amen. Praise God. Now what are you contending for? They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality. 
Okay, so when you hear that message, hey, the pastor doesn't know who's going to heaven or hell, what do you get to do then? Basically, whatever you want. Okay, well, hey, if he don't know who's going to heaven or hell, if I can be an atheist and he still don't know if I'm going to heaven or hell, then I might as well eat, drink, and be merry. Right? That's the idea. Everybody say that's a lie. Because they change the grace of God into a license for immorality. Just because God loves the world, just because most people believe in a kind, loving God, doesn't mean we can do whatever we want and keep asking for forgiveness, okay? Forgiveness is the uh, penalty that Christ uh, bought. Rather, forgiveness is the blessing Christ paid for on the cross by taking your penalty. Okay, let me give you an example. If I was speeding going 300 miles an hour, no, I'm sorry, thinking too fast. If I was going 80 miles an hour and I got a $300 ticket and somebody said, hey, I will pay for your ticket, would I just say to them, well, you know what? Thanks for that, buddy. I'm going to go back to 80 miles an hour now. No, if somebody paid the penalty for my ticket, I ought to be grateful. And the the response from that is now I drive the speed limit, amen? Or at least 10 miles close to it, amen? You see, what sinners do is what they say is, well, I'll just keep getting forgiven. I'll keep getting forgiven. God forgives. God forgives. God paid it with his blood. And our response should be, change me, Jesus, so I don't keep sinning, amen? And so the Bible says they change it into immorality and they deny Jesus Christ. Look what it says. Our only sovereign and Lord. When you make Jesus in the gospel out to be just one of many ways, well, the Muslim can go. I don't, well, you know, can he go to heaven? I don't know. Muhammad might be a good prophet. You know, who really knows? You know, that wishy-washy thing. And then some people go so far as to say Muhammad, Harry Krishna. It's like a buffet of spirituality. You want to take a little Buddha. You want to take a little Jesus. Shake a little Krishna on it. Hey, you're good, right? The Bible says that it, they are denying Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. Amen. There is not Lord Krishna. There is not Lord Muhammad. There is not Lord Buddha. Those are all false prophets and liars. Amen. It's tight, but it's right. Come on, help me out. Verse 5. We love Jesus. Amen. Look at verse 5. You already know this. Amen. How many already know this? Say, I know this. See, look at Jude. He knew you knew this. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you, because we're talking about things we need to be reminded of. Some maybe didn't know it. Now you know. Now look what he says. I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. Did you all remember the story about Moses getting led out of Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea? But did you also know that the only two surviving people out of that million that, that left Egypt that ever made it into the promised land were Jacob and Caleb because God killed the rest of them in the desert and punished them for 40 years? Oh, it gets quiet when I preach like that. I'm going to say the story to you. If you don't see, because some of you maybe don't, need, don't remember this, so you need to be reminded. The Bible says that a million people left Egypt with Moses. And those million people were promised in about 40 days to arrive in the promised land. But they could not trust God for 40 days. They started grumbling about their food. They started grumbling about their leader. And God gave them one chance and another chance and a second, a fourth, fifth chance. And then he finally said, all y'all are going to die in this desert and nobody is going to see the promised land. The only two that got to go were Jacob and Caleb or, or Joshua and Caleb. Are you listening to me? Why did those people die in the desert as a form of God's punishment? Because they did not believe. Do you believe there's a promised land waiting for us? 
Oh, come on, let's make it personal. Do you believe there is a promised land waiting for us? Do you believe that though it may be a little while till we get there, we can make it through our tests and trials, that we should not let go of our faith because of what we go through? Well, Pastor, Aunt Mima died. Why did God take Aunt Mima? Just trust God and keep moving, soldier. Are you listening to me? Well, I'm getting tempted to do sex, money, and drugs and all that crazy stuff. Man, just put blinders on like a horse and march forward because you can make it. Amen? Well, I'm starting to get discouraged. Well, get encouraged. Get in the presence of God because it's worth it. There's a promised land waiting for us who believe. Amen? But those who don't believe will be destroyed. And that's what he's reminding us. Verse 6. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. The Bible says that when Lucifer, who was the angel of the morning, he was the bright and morning angel. That means he would uh, bring praise to God. He had instruments built into him. When he would move, you would hear the sound of instruments, kind of like a bird, like a hummingbird can flap its wing and you hear a hum, the very movement of the angel Lucifer would make noise as he walked. That's why the devil is so involved in music today, because when he fell, he's still using his gift. Are you listening to me? But that's another story. When Lucifer came out of heaven, the Bible says because of his pride, he wanted to be worshipped, that he took a third of the angels with him. These God cursed and called them demons. Are you with me? These demons have no home, heaven, so they try to make their home in your spirit in your soul, in your life that's why sometimes we got to cast them out, are you with me? but the Bible says, hey I want to teach you a lesson right here, some of them God just put right into county jail the moment they began to rebel, God said, I ain't even letting you have another chance. Go right into deep darkness and I'm going to bind you up and I'm going to hold you accountable till judgment day Jesus says, I want you to think about that so everybody here, think about that if God did that to angels, what will he do to us if we do not obey him? Are you with me? Well, I want you to think about it. If God locked up angels, put them in pits of darkness, and said you're going to stay here till judgment day, then get cast into an eternal lake of fire, what does, should that mean to us? Do not mess with God. Amen? Look at this, verse 7. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who will suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Is that the Bible? I said, is that the Bible? So if somebody says, Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't a bad place, what are you going to say? Liar, liar, pants on fire. There is an eternal damnation for the sexually perverted. And before you're like, amen, pastor, preach it, think about what city you live in. Think about your gay parade days that happen here. Right? Cheer. Are you listening? Sodom and Gomorrah got destroyed. You think God is playing? God is saying he will judge America by this verse. Oh, I'm going to read it again. It says, in a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns. Well, I'm going to move to Naperville and the surrounding towns. <laughs> I'm going to move to Rockford. Well, the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual morality and perversion. They serve as an example who suffer the punishment of eternal fire because God rained down fire and brimstone upon them. And he says, not just a moment of fire, but eternal fire. 
God have mercy. I mean, we're taking this serious. I know we got some laughter when we think about the stupidity of sin and everything. But think about how serious this is. Eternal fire for sexually immoral people. And we live in a generation right now where more young adults live together with people they're not married to. That's called sexual immorality. We live in a generation right now where homosexuality is being promoted. They said in the last... uh, uh, fall season of TV, 66 major characters in TV shows were homosexuals. It is bombarding right now the media, and this is to be our example. Do not grow weary, my friends. God will judge the people. Are you with me? I said God will judge the people. Amen. Look at verse 8. In the same way, these dreamers, now who are the people he's talking about? Going back up to that verse, these godless men who have snuck in and changed the truth of God, the ones we're fighting against, it says these dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority, slander celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him. But he said, what? Amen. Let's say it like we mean it this morning. One, two, three. The Lord. Now that's how you talk to the devil. Now this story right here, for those of you who don't know, is a story that is found in the book of Enoch. Enoch is an extra biblical story, meaning the book of Enoch is not in the Bible. It was Jewish tradition that after Moses died, the devil tried to get his bones and do something with them. We don't have all the details, but that's the tradition. But the archangel Michael came down and wrestled with the devil. And then when the devil couldn't, when he couldn't take it from him on his own strength, the archangel Michael had to use the authority of the Lord and rebuke the devil to get the bones. Are you with me? What this teaches us is that these people do not understand authority. They claim that they can wrestle with the devil. They claim that they can heal bodies. They claim that they can bless your life, but they don't have the authority to do it. The Bible tells a story that when Acts, in the book of Acts, when Paul started casting out demons, that these Jewish people said, we're going to cast out demons. So they got a bunch of guys that had demons together, and they started saying, you come out of them, demons, in the name of Jesus and the one that Paul preaches about. And the Bible says that these demons turned on them, stripped them of their clothes, and beat them and chased them out of the church. These were called the sons of Sceva. Everybody say Sceva. S-C-E-V-A. Everybody say Sceva. Now look at what we're learning right here is that the same people that are changing the grace of God into a lie are the same people who reject authority. That means when we go to Joel Osteen and we say, hey, dude, you're not preaching right. When Bible college professors like John MacArthur are correcting him, he is not listening. He is rejecting authority. He's saying, I can just make this up as I go along. As other churches and cults are starting up, changing the things of God, they try to act like they have this air of spirituality. Maybe when they pray for people, they fall down, go boom. Maybe they even get emotional. Are you listening to me? But they are out of order. They are rebellious. How do we know? know they're rebellious because they're not following the true faith of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to show you what this looks like. Brother, will you put up a video, please? I want you to see what this looks like because this one is a little funny, and I'm going to give you an extreme example. Thank you. I'm going to give you an extreme example of this, but I want you to see how subtle it could be if you were in one of the services. Just watch, and we'll talk about it. Go ahead and play it, brother. Thank you.
How many see that these people are emotional? How many see that it almost looks exactly to what we're doing? They're shouting. They're testifying. You can just turn them down, but leave them on. And you can turn on the light back for me, please. Thank you. But just leave this on. I mean, I mean, they look like they're getting it, right? I mean, they got that miracle spring water, and they're getting Jesus. Look at that. I mean, there's testimonies of people being healed. 
Well, the thing that you don't see is that both these men, Peter Papoff and Robert Tillman, have been caught lying and stealing, and it's already been documented in court cases. Peter Papoff had his wife sitting in the back, and she would get people's illnesses when they came in. What do you need prayer for on a card? And then he had a little earpiece in, and she would say, someone's in here with a, uh, a hurt rib. And he would say, someone's in here with a hurt rib. And his wife was saying it through an earpiece. But he got back on the TV. Robert Tilton was having affairs with women. The guy who was saying making a $1,000 pledge, he had affairs with women, and he lied on everything with finances, and he got arrested, Sir time in jail, and got back out without even repentance and went back to doing it again. Now you're saying, Pastor, why are you showing us this? Because these are the people that they are. It says, these are dreamers. They pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and they slander celestial beings. And so what that means is they have no authority given by God. They can't command the devil to leave. They can't only but put on a show. And what Christianity has to be is more than a show. Christianity is more than our band, more than me preaching, more than you shouting. It's the power of God inside of you. It's knowing God and Him knowing you and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit living a holy life. If you believe it, say amen. I mean, it's not a show. I mean, you can imitate this. Somebody can come up and preach better than me. They can play music better than us. They can shout better than you. But that's not what determines Christianity. What determines Christianity is in your heart and a real relationship with God. Amen? The Lord rebuke you. You see, we dedicate ourselves to the authority of God. How am I planting this church? Not with holy miracle water. We are planting this church with the authority of God. How do we cast out demons and see miracles? With the authority of God. And we do it the way he taught us to do it. Following his doctrines. Following his word. They say that miracle water and handkerchief is free. But then for it to operate correctly, if you've ever seen one of the letters, you can actually see them on the internet. It says for this to work properly, you've got to then send money back and do X, Y, and Z. See, it's a lie. And now look at what the Bible says right here. Verse 10, yet these men speak abusively against what they do not understand and what things they do not understand by instinct, like unreasoning, unreasoning animals. These are the very things that destroy them. So they're talking about sin, the devil, healing with no authority from God, and they don't understand that that's the very same thing that will destroy them in the end. The very same thing they think they have power over is the thing that's going to come against them. And look at verse 11. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's heir. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Everybody say, woe unto them. What was Cain? Cain was a murderer. Why was he a murderer? Because he was jealous. See, these false teachers, they become jealous of others who are doing good, and they want to imitate it, and they don't do it God's way. They do it their own way, and it looks like they're all right, but it's not all right. You see, if I want more people to hear, to come here, I could change my message. I could have a little earpiece, and I could play with your emotions, and we can make church about that and probably get a lot more people here. You see, but I'm not like Cain. I'm not jealous of bigger churches. I'm here to do what God said, offer my offering to the Lord and be content with it. If you know the story of Cain and Abel, Abel just offered what was to God. God blessed him. He gave his tithe and the Lord blessed him. Cain gave his leftovers, gave his second best to God, and God didn't receive it and said, Cain, you, you, your gift is whack, man. This is not good. And, and Cain got so jealous of Abel, instead of just him repenting, doing the right thing, he killed his brother. 
And that's exactly what these men are doing. Instead of Joel Osteen praying and fasting, getting a word from God, he does what, what makes him the most money because he's jealous of the anointing. And these men of God imitate like they're doing God's work, but they're really not. The Bible says they've gone into, uh, they've, they've rushed into profit, into Balaam's heir. Who was Balaam? Listen to who Balaam was. Men, let me see if anybody knows first. Who knows who Balaam is? Raise your hand, class. Okay, about four of you. Everybody, find out who Balaam is in your Bible this week by reading the story. Amen? How many want to take that assignment? So don't lie. How many going to take the assignment? Just look up who Balaam is. You'll love it. Here's the story in summary. Balaam was a prophet of God. He was a good prophet. And a wicked king came to him and said, Balaam, I'm fighting against the Jewish people. I need you to prophesy something against them to help me conquer them. And Balaam's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I won't prophesy against the Jewish people. I'm Jewish. That would be wrong. It would be me turning my back on them. And then the guy goes, but I'll pay you. And Balaam's like, yeah, I don't know. And he's like, I'll pay you a whole lot. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll do it. And the Bible says Balaam is riding on his donkey. The King James says jackass. Okay, so we're not going to cuss. We're going to say what it says in King James. Amen? Put up King James and Balaam if you can find it. If not, it's okay. So he's riding on his donkey, his jackass, as the King James says. And the Bible says that God allows the jackass to talk to him and to look him in the eye and say, You are a fool. God curse you. This is a true story. You can say, I don't believe it. So God, if you don't listen, God will use a... Jack asked to talk to you. It sounds vulgar, but that's what the King James is teaching us. And we are to learn from that example. I've had children, and we're not calling children bad people. I'm just using the King James language. I've had children tell their parents, you're wrong, and the parents still not listen. You better listen to your kids. If your kids are teaching you that you shouldn't watch these movies, you should go to church, mom and dad. Listen to your kids. God will use your children. I've had people tell me that they were, you know, uh, out at a bar and somebody totally drunk said, man, you should go to church. And the people looked at him like, how do you know me? And he said, I used to be a pastor, but now this pastor is drunk in a bar stool. God will use anybody, anywhere, anytime to speak to them. But what is the problem right here? Is it put in the King James, my brother? I want you guys to see this scripture right here. It says right here, they rush for profit. So what are these men giving their holy water for? What are they giving their, uh, these, these, what do they call, handkerchiefs for? For money. Everybody say the love of money is the root to all sorts of evil. Now go on down a little bit. Look at Numbers chapter 22. Get on down to when he speaks, my brother. Get right there. Where's, where's that good old donkey at? Do we see the donkey? Keep, go up, go up, go down, go down a little bit. I just want y'all to see this. Don't think I'm lying to you. Keep on going. There it is. Oh, it says the ass. Okay. <laughs> Verse 23. And the ass saw the angel of the... I just had to tell you. Sister, I, know you didn't think, I know you didn't think I was lying, but I had to show. Everybody say amen. Oh, hallelujah. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. Keep going. But the angel... So what he's seen is the angel of the Lord. And this is another word for Jesus. But the angel of the Lord stood in a path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. And he smote her again. So he's not learning his lesson. He's beating the 
<laughs> Y'all think you're swearing, but you're not. I don't know why. Maybe I made it sound like that. I apologize to ask. Verse 26, and the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place and was no way to turn from either the right or the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam and Balaam's anger was kindled and he smote the ass with the staff and the Lord opened the mouth of the Amen. He opened the mouth of the ass and she, some of you are just like, this is offending me. I'm just reading the Bible. I, I, you guys are getting it the wrong way. I am so sorry. I just want to show you he wasn't lying. And she said unto, and she said, so it was a female ass, said unto Balaam, what have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me with these times? And Balaam said unto the ass, he's talking to it now, because thou hast mocked me, I would there, uh, I would there were a sword in my hand, for I would kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, am I not? I thine ass, upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was unto this day, was I ever want to do unto thee, King James, help me out. And he said, nay. Hallelujah. Verse 31. Then the angel opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing away, and his sword drawn in his hand. He bowed down his head and fell fat on his face. Everybody say, Amen. That is the story of Balaam and his ass. Donkey. Learn from that story. I just gave it all to you. And what is the last one? Korah's rebellion. Everybody say Korah's rebellion. Who was Korah? Korah was a man in the time of Moses. Remember we were talking about the example before. The people of Israel didn't do good. Well, Korah was a leader in the rebellion. Korah was one of the people that said, hey, we don't need to follow Moses. We can follow me. I got bright ideas. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says the earth split open. Korah's people went into the ground and died. The Bible says don't follow rebellious people. Somebody say amen. amen. Oh, Lord, I'm only halfway done. How many enjoying this right now? Do we got time to finish this other half so we can just rock on roll past this book to another book? Amen, like four of you. I'm going to do it for you. Okay, verse 32. These men, who are these men? These are the men who are liars. They're not teaching the right faith. They're not with authority. They're, they're jealous men. They're running after money, and they're rebellious men. Okay, these false teachers. He says they are blemishes at your love feast, eating without the slightest qualms, shepherds who feed only themselves. See, the Bible says there's a group of pastors out there that are shepherds, pastors, shepherds, same Greek word, okay? The Bible says they only want to feed themselves. And your love feast is when we take communion and hang out together. And the Bible says these men come in, and we're all serving God, and they come in to get what they want for themselves. They preach so they can get your money. They want to sell you books so they can get your money. You all know what I'm talking about right here. This is the Bible. Be careful to what books you buy, the things you do in the name of religion, because the Bible says not every shepherd is a good shepherd. Amen? It says that these are clouds without rain. So they're a cloud, but they have no rain. They're blown away by the wind. Autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twi uprooted twice dead. That means when they're supposed to have harvest, they have no fruit. They may have numbers. They may have success. They may look good. They may smile a lot. They may sing good. But the Bible says they are twice dead. That means they are dead spiritually and they're going to die physically and go to hell for eternity. So they're going to have two curses put upon them on this earth and eternity. Verse 13 they are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars from whom blackest darkness has been reserved. Now listen, I don't say that lightly. I say to any pastor, to any leader, we better get back to this word of God because we will be judged. The Bible says I will be judged more severely. Listen to me, I'm not pointing the finger like I'm better, people. I'm just saying I'm better off. 
because I'm just following this right here. If you ever see me get off this, if you ever see me talk about holy water, if you ever see me stutter and uh, uh, I don't know who's going to heaven, take the Bible and just slap me upside the head with it. Then pin me down and stuff it in my mouth. Are you listening to me? Tape it to my eyelids. Lock me down. Are you listening? Because I don't want to get put right here. The blackest darkness. I don't want to be locked up with demons and uh, the devil from hell, uh, the devil in hell. Are you with me? It says right here, the the blackest darkness, that's the same place where these demons are locked up right now. See, people don't understand. When you die, you go to hell. That is the prison. That's the county. After judgment day, you go to the lake of fire. So it's hell, then lake of fire. When you die and you love Jesus, you go to heaven, and then that's kind of like the resort. And then you come back to a brand new mansion, which is in the earth, on the earth, new earth. Amen? So it's heaven, then earth for the believer. For the unbeliever, it's hell, then the lake of fire. The Bible says that if I don't serve God, especially as a pastor, I will be locked up up with the demons that rebelled against God in heaven. That's a warning to even those here who are preaching and, and leading. Let us all preach the gospel. Amen? Amen. Verse 14, Enoch. If you always remember who Enoch was, he was the seventh from Adam, and he was the guy who walked with the Lord, and the Bible said he was not because he was taken. This is the first one that got raptured. This is the four, um, this is the, not the foreknowledge, but this is the taste of the rapture to come, that all believers who are here when the Lord comes on the mighty horse for the day of Armageddon, we will be spared and raptured. Are you with me? Our bodies will be changed into heavenly bodies in a twinkling of an eye. That happened to Enoch. He was the seventh from Adam. The Bible says in Genesis, he walked with the Lord and then was not. But this is a prophecy that he said. Matter of fact, if this is accurate to what Enoch said, which we believe it is, this is one of the oldest prophecies of the entire Bible. Only one that would predate this is God speaking to Adam that with the heel of the woman's seed will crush the serpent. You all remember that? You're going to have pain in childbirth, but the child you have will be the seed, and then the seed will crush the serpent's head. Does anybody remember that? That would be technically the first prophecy. Enoch's is like the second. And what does he say? See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to hang out and have parties with everyone. Is that what it says? See, the Lord is coming with thousands of his holy ones to have a good time, to make everybody feel good, to have a festival. The Bible says he's coming with his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way. Do you think anybody's getting away with anything, friends? Do you think false preachers are getting away with anything? I've met people so many times, pastor, I don't want to go to church. Preachers are liars. They steal money. Listen, God will judge them of all the ungodly things they have done and all the ungodly ways they have done it and all the Bible says the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against God. He will judge them. These men, verse 6, are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. You'll see among these preachers, they have like a little click. They'll say, Pastor Bob, you come up. Pastor Bob will preach. 
preach his sermon, and then they'll give him $5,000. Because Pastor Bob won't come unless he's promised $5,000 offering, a limo at the airport, a five-star hotel. Are you listening to me? He won't come. So Pastor Bob comes, he gets his money, and then Pastor Bob invites Pastor Gary to his church, and he does the same thing for them. They write and they do each other's books, they get on each other's TV shows, and they're all promoting each other, and they're all looking like they're good because Bob loves Gary, and Gary loves Mary, and all their friends, you understand? But the Bible says that they're following their own evil desires, they're really boasting about themselves, and the only reason they flatter is for their own advantage. I read the Bible this morning. Is anybody else reading this Bible with me? This thing is tight, but it's right. Man, I have not found up in here yet that God wants me to have a, a new car and a new house and, you know, God wants me just to get along. I have not read that yet today. I haven't read this easy, you know, this sloppy, agape, greasy grace gospel yet. I haven't read this thing where God loves everybody, going to judge them by their heart, and we all get to go be heaven, little baby naked angels up in heaven, play harps. Is anybody reading that? I don't see up in here that the Bible says, hey, you can just do what you want, get to heaven, but as long as you go to church on Sunday and, and, and Christmas and Easter and you're a priester, you're good. Is that what it says? This Bible is reminding us that there's judgment coming. The Bible is now wa- warning us that there will be false prophets, false teachers that can lead you astray to make you think it's all right to follow them. And you need to not follow them. Remember Jude from the very beginning? He said, guys, I wanted to talk to you about salvation. I wanted to talk to you about all the fun things we get to do as Christians. But i got to stop and tell you this right here because I want you to contend for the faith. Amen? You see, I could have came today and talked about blessings. Yes, God wants to bless you. God wants to do so many awesome things in your life and come back next week. Lord willing, that will be a message. Okay? But we also need to take time in our services to tell it as it is. As it is. Are you with me? we got to talk about about the things nobody else talks about because those things we will be judged by. Amen? Starting with the preacher all the way down to you. You're the hearer now. You'll be judged on what you do with this. Amen? Verse 17. I love Jude. Come on, close it out, baby. Look at what he says. But, dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. These are men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. So the apostles, Peter prophesied about this. You can read in the book of Peter. John wrote the book of Revelation all about the end times, prophesied this. These are things Jude is saying, guys, remember, the Bible says there would be problems in the last days. And even the Bible says that it will continue on and get harder to discern from right and wrong, that if God does not cut the time short, that even the very Christians, the elect of God, will be tricked into believing a lie. Matthew chapter 24. The Bible says for the Christian's sake, he cuts their time. I'm sure, because it will become so deceptive. I want you just to think about Barack Obama and how he came to power. You see, the world is in turmoil. We need a leader. We need somebody that's going to love everybody, unite. And everybody got behind them. They said this was one of the most exciting times of, of political history. And everybody's following him and getting behind him. But they have no idea that he believes in more abortion and the killing of un, um, unwanted children than ever before. That right now he is paying money to other countries for them to implement abortion programs. That he 
himself believes in partial birth abortion. That means a woman can get an abortion up into the late second and early third trimester. Even if the baby lives outside the womb, you can still kill it and throw it in the garbage. See, no one's paying attention to the genocide that he funds. Are you listening to me? He is the most pro-homosexual president that we have ever had. He is pro all of these different things, but nobody's paying attention. How do you think the Antichrist will come? The Bible says he will come when everybody's at war, everybody's fighting economic turmoil, and he will come with an answer. But then his answer will also involve a religion, and the people will flock to it because they need more food stamps. They need more money. Are you listening to me? And the Bible says you better be ready in the last times these people will come. But dear friends, build up yourselves in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. You better fight for your faith, contend for your faith. And the Bible says build up your faith. Pastor, how do I build up my faith? I feel like I'm getting weak. The Bible says get down on your knees and pray. When you're driving to work, pray. When you're with your family, pray. When things ain't going right, pray. When things are going good, pray. The Bible says pray. Pray. Build up your faith. Don't get discouraged. Don't quit. Don't give in. Put up a fight. You will make it. Hallelujah. The Bible says in 1 John, who is it that overcomes the world? Those who have faith and believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Hallelujah. He didn't promise that I would be rich. He didn't promise I would have a car. But He promised by faith I would make it through. He didn't promise you wouldn't have tests. He just said when you've been tested, you'll have a testimony because He'll bring you out. Come on, somebody. We love Jesus because He builds us up. Look at what it says, verse 21. Keep yourselves in God. Look at your neighbor and say, keep yourself in God. Keep yourself in God. You better make yourself come to church. Pick yourself up by the back of your shirt. Make yourself get to church. Hallelujah. Keep yourself in God. Nobody's going to make you be a Christian. Nobody's going to make you read your Bible. You get up and read your Bible, man. You get up and read your Bible, sir. You get up and pray as a family. You make a decision. As for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Keep yourself in God and in His love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. The Bible says, wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged because mercy is coming from heaven. Oh, would you stand up on your feet with me? Mercy, Lord, is coming. Hallelujah. You can cry out, Lord, have mercy. Hallelujah. God is good. It says now we get to the point of our message. We said all that to say this. You got a job to do. You came to church, so you had a, a, a heart to be here. But not everybody does, so you got a job to do. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you got a job to do. You got a job to do. Here's your part. Here's what you do now. Be merciful to those who doubt. So if you meet anybody who doubts and says, ah, I don't know if there's a hell. I don't know if there's a God. I don't know if he's going to judge me. I don't know. We're going to be merciful to him. Amen. We're going to be merciful to the pastors that are teaching lies. We're going to fight with them. But to the people who don't know better, we're going to be merciful. But then we got to snatch others from the fire. Some, of, some people, you just got to grab out the fire. Some of you got children that aren't serving the Lord. You got to snatch them out. Everybody say, snatch them from the fire. Say it like a preacher. Say, snatch them from the fire. Look at your neighbor and say, snatch them from the fire. 
Hallelujah. You got to just snatch them. You just got to grab somebody. You got to tell them, you coming with me. You coming to church. I'm going to bring my Bible on lunch break. We're going to talk about this. I'm going to keep calling you until you push call block. I'm going to keep preaching at your door until you put out a restraining order. I'm not going to give up on you. See, there's some people you just got to snatch. See, my mama prayed for me when I said don't pray for me. She prayed harder. She kept preaching to me. She said, devil, you can't have them. I'm going to snatch him out with the Holy Ghost. You can't give up. Snatch somebody out. We are here for one reason and one reason only, to snatch people out. Why did God allow Christians to be on earth and not just beam them up to heaven after they get saved? Because we're here to help others get saved. That is your job assignment. Jude was saying, hey, I could have talked to you about these things, but this was most important. I want to say the same thing. You can be blessed but still go to hell. You can have a nice job and still go to hell. You can have a beautiful family and still go to hell. The Bible says you've got to be born again. And you listen to me and those who know that you've got to snatch people out with that knowledge. The Bible says snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. So when you're talking to people and you're being nice to them and you're loving on them, uh, you got to also tell them, look, 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 I love you, but if you don't change, God will judge you. And then any of the sin that we have in our lives, starting with ourselves and to others, we need to hate it. Look what the Bible says, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Ishmael, would you come, please? You know, some people say, well, I love good. You know, a lot of people love love. They love mercy. They love kindness. But that's not all it takes to serve God. You also got to hate evil. You've got to hate a lie. You've got to hate pornography. Everyone listen to me. You've got to hate violence. You've got to hate uh, disloyalty. You've got to hate rebellion, young people. Are you with me? You see, being a Christian is not just saying, well, I don't do anything bad. You know, I mean, I'm a pretty good person. No, no, no. Christianity is loving good and hating evil. If you believe it, say amen. Hallelujah. Look at verse 24. Now here's the glory to God. It says, To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious appearance without fault and with great joy. How many want some joy to come before God today with? Hallelujah. Here's what he does for us. To the only God, our sovereign and our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forever. Can you say amen? Say amen. Say it one more time. Amen. That's what God is going to do for us. The Bible says that we have a choice to make today. We have a choice to either go with what is popular, what looks good, which promises us a get-rich-quick scheme of Christianity, or we can put up a fight, hold on to the faith, build it up in prayer, and snatch others out. Have you come to snatch some people out? Would you raise up your hands and just thank the Lord right now for His cross and begin to pray for somebody you know that needs to get snatched out? Father God, we pray that the devil will loose right now people in our lives.